Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. I, I apologize for my tardiness. I was talking to somebody else who was so charming and engaging. So that a little pressure on you. I'm going to be honest, Kyle. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making your way here, checking out the series. You know what to do. You like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music and movie world, as we'll be discussing uh, today. Uh, you can subscribe at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Mayer. Today, I'm going to be talking with Paul Reiser. He is Emmy-nominated for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series uh, due to his work in The Kaminsky Method, one of my favorite uh, series of the past few years. So we're going to talk uh, about, uh, well, uh, how the um, Netflix series shines a light on friendships as you get older, finding success later in your career, and the uh, meta moments where his character is watching the movie Diner, which, of course, Paul Reiser also starred in in 1982. In fact, his character is actually watching one of Paul Reiser's scenes. It's a, it's a really great little funny moment in the series. We're also going to touch on the lasting appeal of Mad About You, his 2017 series, There's Johnny, and being part of the Stranger Things universe, as well as his 2010 album with Julia Fordham. So let's get into this. I'm talking with one of my artistic heroes. It's Kyle Meredith with Paul Reiser. I didn't realize I was a hero. You're a hero. You are a uh, you hero. Know, yeah, I, mean, I remember the time when you were little and I pulled you out of a burning uh, building. I'll never forget that. He was so kind. <laughs> when I was little, it was, uh, it was my two dads. Then it All became right. the other stuff. Mad about you. Bye bye love, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, right now we're talking to, uh, amongst many things, but um, the Kaminsky method, which I sort of became low key obsessed with, and I was so excited to see you join the cast uh, later on because the show is so well done. You are now Emmy nominated for this one, outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series. Congratulations on that uh, nomination. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it, it is. It's so great to see what 
first off, an amazing cast is done with uh, a pretty original concept and, and script here. And the style that you all are working at, I wrote down subtle comedy because it seems like that's a lot what's happening here. Is this, um, it, I don't know. I, I know there are certain gears for certain projects depending on who the character is and what type of project it is. What what was this for you going into it? Well, you know, it's to Chuck Lorre's uh, credit entirely that he created this show, um, and and he has indeed created something unique. You know, Chuck is an old friend, and uh, I had seen the first season of Kaminsky, and I was so I, I and I watched. I mean, I love Alan Arkin, and I love Michael Douglas, but I watched it specifically because it was Chuck's baby. And I was so blown away. I was so impressed because, you know, Chuck has had su such success beyond anybody else, uh, you know, in the half hour world, these you know, 1000 shows uh, at five concurrently at, at now. And um, so he's become a master of that form. And so I was curious to see what his version of a comedy would look like on, on a streaming platform with no audience, single camera and all the changes. And the content is much more adult and much more serious and he created something really unique it didn't look or sound like any other show and it's exactly the kind of thing that i love um because i've always sort of bristled at the idea that there's comedies over here and there's dramas over here i go well life is not like either of those it's not laugh a minute and it's not uh, heartache a minute it's surprisingly shuffling the deck and you don't know it's like well that's funny and that funeral was funny and that wonderful party went horribly wrong. So things happen and 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 intimate moments can be suddenly funny and funny moments can suddenly get into it. So he did that and nobody was trying for a joke. You know, the characters, uh, the, the laughs come from character, like their frustrations and their fears and their irritations and their irritability and their frustrations with getting older. And, and it was also unique for that reason. There aren't that many shows that are about old guys. And that was, I think, Chuck's two-pronged uh, mission was, or, or aspiration was to do a show about aging and about male friendship. And it's not a world that's been explored much. And it's a, and it's a hard one to peg because guys aren't great at being friends. You know, women come at it much more naturally. And, and so to see this odd friendship between Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin, two brilliant actors, um, dealing with, you know, and they're not lovey-dovey friends. They're, he was his agent and there's this, they're always dancing around each other and Alan is always pushing away. And, um, so anyway, so it's a long-winded answer. So that was the DNA of the show and it was, exactly you know the kind of thing i love and so when i reached out to chuck just to tell him how great i thought it was and i jokingly said why don't we do something like that come on two old guys sitting in a car i said i can do that all day I, in fact i do it uh, <laughs> i just short the other guy but still i'm sitting <laughs> in my car and he said well why don't we have lunch and and and, and i said so i i I remember coming to that lunch and I said, well, I, you know, we should do this because we had talked about it over the years. We should, let's do something together. And I had two or three vague ideas. What if it was about this or that? And he said, put that aside. Would you like to come on to this show? Went, yes, I would. I didn't. You don't have to tell me now. Went, no, I'll tell you now. Yes. Because he had already had this character in mind. And uh, the idea was that Michael's daughter would be dating an old guy. 
and that would be cause for irritation and karmic payback for Michael, who's been dating young his character, been dating younger women for years. So um, I think if I hadn't put myself in, in, in Chuck's uh, line of sight, I don't know that he would have said, let's call Paul. Because uh, I think, it, you know, it was meant to be older. In fact, that was the first thing he said, well, we have to age you up. So hence the bald cap and the padding and, and everything else. But, um, it, you know, it was really a dream job to work with those scripts, with his writing, with these actors and Sarah Baker and, and, and uh, Kathleen Turner and Lisa Edelstein. I mean, you know, it's just, it was all, it was all perfect, you know, it, even in a pandemic, which was a challenge, uh, you know, and it made things harder. It was all like walking with ankle weights on. It was slower, but it's, it was a joy to do this show. And then to get an Emmy nomination, like that's, a cherry on the icing of the cake. You actually opened a, a little door there further into the insight in, into the show. In, in what you said was your long-winded answer. I'm really happy you went there too. What because... a long-winded answer. I'm exhausted. Do you mind if we lie down for a while? <laughs> well, that's um because as I told you, I, I do enjoy it so much. And so I hit 40 next month and, and talking about men having trouble making friends. Like I hadn't even made that little connection. Like that's what I'm talking about with the layers of, of what is happening in a show like this my wife loves the show so obviously it's it's even universal speaking in a lot of ways as well you know we've, yeah. we've really did devour what's going on you, you said something in another interview too uh about the through line that ends up happening in this third season you said what do you do when you get what you want but it's so late yeah and i think that's another interesting thing that it really like Again, that's not something we get to see in a lot of other. Right. I, I did a I did a show um, ten years ago. I wrote a series that was uh, indecorously canceled after two episodes, but it was it was sort of autobiographical. It was it, I played myself, and it was um, a guy who used to be in a hit TV show. And the 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 pitch line when we pitched it to the networks, we said, "What do you?" What do you do when you've gotten everything you've wanted in life, but you're not dead yet? <laughs> it's like, I don't think I timed this well. I didn't pace this out. This was supposed to be later. It's like, oh, uh, I'm still here. So what do we do now? And <clears throat> I, I, I do think that was uh, a beautifully conceived and written and executed storyline uh, that Michael's character, you know, he's 70, the character 75 or something. And never made it as an actor, made his peace with it. He found those little niche and he's teaching and he's a well-respected teacher. So he's in the, you know, not even triple A ball, he's in single A ball, but he's, that's his life and you make peace with it. And then somebody comes and reminds you of, remember you wanted this? Yes, well, here it is. You go, now, um, what do you do? You know, it was a great line. He said, I'm not sure I know what to do with this. And Kathleen Turner said, just enjoy it. And he goes, no, that, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know how to process this. Um, but it is, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I, 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 when I first heard that idea, I thought, well, maybe that's going to be too inside. You know, how many people can care about an actor got a big job. It's like, no, but it transcends that. It's not about an actor. It's about a dream coming true. It's about opportunities. And it's also about hang in there because you never know what surprising nice surprise might be around the corner when you're 82. There's a moment in this third season too, where it ties even as we're looking into the meta parts of what's going on, uh, your current self with your early self, because you guys are watching Diner 
Uh, I mean, the laugh out loud moment. Whose idea was that? Because what a great little spot to throw in there. That was Chuck. I was Chuck all the way. Chuck had the idea to invite Barry Levinson in because he need he he had heard that Barry was a fan of the show and he reached out and said, "Would you be, I need a director of a movie? Would you be play yourself?" So then once he had that and the fact that I was there, he said, well, "Let's put up a diner reference." Diner was a um, surprisingly uh, important touchstone for a lot of people, you know, as as guys and also as filmmakers. People like that. It was such a somebody is so ahead of it, of the time that Barry sort of defined that world of no no story story. You know, and, uh, it's just about characters. It's about talking and five guys sitting having a cup of coffee can be really funny and rich and deep. You don't need, you know, a chase scene or a drug deal. It's like, this this will be plenty of entertainment. So um, guys like Chuck and, you know, a thousand guys that I've met mentioned that movie as being so important to them culturally. And, you know, as mentioned, he's funny. You say your wife enjoyed Kaminsky. I, I was surprised that anyone under 50, man or woman, man or woman would, would watch Kaminsky. It's like, well, it's about old guys. Um, but I've been so surprised that people in their 20s like it. I'm going, I don't get it. But sure, you know, and yes, you can enjoy Star Wars without actually being, you know, in the future. Uh, you don't have to live it to enjoy something. But um, it is an interesting world, the world of guy friendship. And that was the, the show that I mentioned that I did that was can what became what it was about. There was a period when I was sort of, not retired, but I sort of slowed down after Mad About You. And I had two kids, two young kids. And so my world by choice was I was just home and I was enjoying my kids and I was dropping off at school. And I realized that all my friends were these guys that I didn't choose. They were, they were, you know, they were the husbands of my wife's friends or the fathers of my kids' friends. I went, I didn't pick these guys, but then that becomes your club. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting world. So we had these four, this group of guys that were friends by default. And, you know, still to this day, it happened just the other day. I, I, there's a couple that we're very, very close with. And my wife will often go out with the, the, the woman in the couple and I'll, I'll hang out with my buddy. And the experiences are entirely different. You know, my wife will go, oh, I say, oh, I had a nice time. Maybe we spent a couple hours and, How's how's their kid doing? I went, well, I don't know. Didn't come up. How's she feeling with the thing? Yeah, huh? I, she was sick. I didn't know. Didn't come up. And they'll come back, and they're so you know, women will bond and they'll share, and guys will talk about whatever the hell we're talking about. But it's a different experience, and you know, and and we don't know how to do it. I mean, I remember the inspiration of the show. I keep talking about it. It's the show that. I loved it. It just died so quickly, which was a, it's the Paul Reiser show, right? Yeah, which I didn't pick the name. That was foisted on me. I that was not easy name. to remember. Easy to remember. Easy to cancel. And uh, <laughs> and um, but I, I wrote it with a buddy who was exactly that situation. We became friends because our wives were friends, and they both said, "Oh, you, you know, our husbands said really they would like each other." And we both independently went. I don't, I don't need more friends. I'm good. <laughs> I, I, I don't need another person to try and not see. Uh, um, and then we got together and went, well, this guy's funny. This guy's nice. And then we get together. We had informally, we had, suddenly had this routine of every week 
once a week, we get together and we smoke a cigar and have a drink. And we started to share. And we actually was like, like, oh, you know, I had that same problem with my kid and I didn't know what to do. It was like, yeah, right. And that was an eye opener. It's like, so you can talk about these things? I'm, yeah. And like, oh, this is, I see what the women are enjoying about this because I feel better. His, he had a similar problem. Not, and I'm not happy for his problem, but like, okay, so it's not just me. And he didn't know how to handle that situation. Right. I didn't you know. And like, oh, I, you know, well into the fifties at this point singing. Oh, so guys can talk. Nice. Who knew? You reminded me of one of my all-time favorite movies. It's a, it's a very tiny movie. Uh, not a lot of people saw it, but it's Walter Matthau and, um, Hossie Davis. It's called, I'm not Rappaport. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it came from the play, ended up a movie, very small movie, but it's, it's a, you know, and they were in well into their 70s, both, and it's just two guys talking for mostly the entire movie. Yeah, Apparently, it, you hit my genre. That's what this is all about. <laughs> well, it's, 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 uh, it's an interesting world, you know, and, and, you know, and even to some extent, mad about you, I can't tell you how many times, more often than not, uh, a compliment, somebody who enjoyed the show, would begin with, you know, my wife made me watch it. I go, well, what do you mean she made you? You don't, you don't have to watch. But it was because it was about relationships. It was about working on the relationship, which is traditionally more, you know, likely going to fall into the lap of the, the woman of the couple. Uh, it was more of a go-to for women. And, you know, and, and the, the, the bond, again, became about the sharing because the reason to whatever extent it was a success, it was people would say, oh, that's my husband. Or, you know, people would always say, oh, I elbowed my husband. That's what you do. And he would go, that's what you do. And like, again, people are comforted by knowing they're not the only ones. And, you know, that was a great fun place to write from, from Mad About You. It's like, the more personal stuff we can put in the show, the more uh, far reaching you know the the appreciation would go it was uh, earlier this summer I, I watched the entire that was one of my pandemic watches mad about you front to back including the uh the latest season wow because i don't i'd never done it you know i'd never done it i was like oh i'm gonna so Good first off you. that's why it's also been really fun to get this chance to talk to you right now of all the times because i really you know about a, wow. two months ago finished the entire run of that and and watching I'm going to throw out a few compliments here. The physical comedy that happens in that show is so, there's a moment, it's one of my favorite, I can't even explain to you which, remember which uh, episode it is, but you and, and Helen are having this argument and, and you're exasperated and you're just looking for anyone to back you up. And of course, there's no one else in the room, but the two of you, and you're talking to her and suddenly you just turn around like there's somebody else there that's going to have your back. And it's just this blip of a moment. And it's so good. And those happen all the time. And um, yeah, it's so fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, those those were always our favorite moments. There was some great writing. There was great writing. There were great jokes. But those things that we would find that were interpersonal. Uh, and you're absolutely right that, that I think a big part of the appeal of the show to people who didn't like who did like the show might not even be able to pinpoint what it is they were drawn to because it was often just these sort of invisible rays of connection between the two. You know, we would, something as simple as you, you're passing me by, you know, passing each other in the kitchen and you just touch the shoulder or you, you know, you touch and, and like, oh, that's what people do. Yeah. It's not in the script, but it's just, oh, well, they're, 
you know, and there was no shortage of those moments. All the writers, we would all come in and actors too, we would all come in and share funny stuff and go, oh, you got to put that in the show because that's true. You know, the, the, the single most thing that people, the, the, the thing that people will point out most to me, I'll go, you know, maybe this is just me. And I go, no, it's everybody. The moment is when it was a silent little open uh, teaser. We used to have these little, you know, before the show, these standalone things. Whereas I'm sitting minding my own business watching TV and she comes out with the toilet roll and the thing is like, basically, just fucking do this. Is it that hard? But she doesn't say, she just shook. And it's like, well, that was gold. It's like that, if you had to pick one moment, that's probably the show. It's like, I love you, but could you just do this? You know, we, 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 was, those things made me so happy. I mean, that really, I don't remember that moment, but I can certainly picture what you're talking about. Cause I still do it. You're just looking for backup. And like, does anybody, does anybody else want to help me here? And that's all it was. Just this, such a quick little glance. Like, I don't know that many people would have noticed it. <laughs> that's really funny. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. As I was looking back at and sort of of what was happening, especially around that time and what you've been up to lately, I want to point out, you know, so you did uh, There's Johnny um, just a few years ago. And, and that was an overlooked show as well. And I know it that, sort of got that lost. Needs to be, that one is at least available. That's on Peacock. And uh, I would encourage your listeners to go find it. It's called There's Johnny with the lovely, lovely Jane Levy, who's brilliant. And um, yeah, that was that was a, a you know, a, a labor of love that I worked on for a long time. And, you know, it's an interesting world now that we live in that there are platforms that things can live. So if you didn't see it, you can catch it four years later or 10 years later. And that's fine. You know, I don't need anything to be seen on the opening week. But, uh, you know, it's frustrating when things fall through the cracks and don't get on, you know, like the show I was talking about, the, the Paul Reiser show wasn't called that it's like it's, I, i've made efforts and i've been unable to unlock it from the legal things it's like you just put it on somebody's platform so my cousins can see it nobody saw it i don't yeah but yes but there's johnny i'm sorry i cut you off there's johnny was was something i loved it it was it was something i, I really was proud of and, and it came off really really well and that was something i was not in but i i loved being able to sit back and pull the levers a little bit well what i really find interesting and especially you know drawing a, a, a small parallel with the Kaminsky method too is it, it seems like it's a lot easier or, or people lately are having a lot more success uh, of doing the movie about the film industry the, the comedy industry than it is about the mu uh, music industry you know I, I mostly uh, well I, I live my life in the music industry it's so hard to make a good music movie like almost famous might have been the best one you know that I can think of off the top of my head and, and to see something like There's Johnny and what you were doing there, and again, Kaminsky Method, it just seems like like there is a really good sweet spot right now of being able, because it looks real anyway, I believe it. Uh, it's interesting, because uh, I, uh, I don't, 
Yeah, there, there have been shows about the music industry. I guess it depends on what the avenue is. I, I think maybe one of the pitfalls of the music industry is that it's tempting to then load it with music and performance, and then the movie or show dies and lives and dies on that performance. Um, but, you know, I, I just saw, what did I just watch? Oh, I, uh, In the Heights, which I loved on Broadway. And then I, I saw the movie and, and I had heard mixed things and I watched them. I'm like, this is great, uh, you know, and because the music was great. And mm. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a genius, but it was also cinematic and they made it not about the music, the mu you know, and it, it's an absurd thing. It's a, you know, it's a cultural um, trope with like, your show and you burst into songs. Well, that's absurd. Nobody does that. But it suddenly seemed uh, viable and believable. And it also was enough visual to make it entertaining. It was just like so much uh, entertainment value. But, you know, it is, a, it is something that one has to keep an eye on when you do something that's about the industry. Sometimes it, it's really indulgent or there are too many inside jokes. And there's Johnny was not trying to show how glamorous it was actually the the access point was here's this kid who lives on a literally on a farm in nebraska and watches the johnny carson show every night the tonight show with his parents and that's all it it's this thing that comes into his house and suddenly he's dropped behind the curtain by accident so it was about him and the, the sort of so I, I when we were promoting it i was telling it's not about Johnny Carson. You don't have to know anything about it. It's it was an affectionate homage because Johnny was so important to me and to every comic and, and millions of people at home. But it wasn't about that. It was about this kid who was way in over his head, socially, politically, sexually, culturally. It just and that was the the fun part. But yeah, so it, that never really felt like it was about uh, show business and even Kaminsky method. A show about an acting class could be indulgent, but it's it, it never felt that way because it was always any kind of pomposity was always popped by the irreverence that the kids had in the class. And all the I wish there were more stories with the kids in the class because they're all so funny and great. But you know, when here would be Michael, ex, you know, expounding these philosophical life lessons and acting lessons, someone would. How do you get an agent? It's like, okay. So, you know, it was instantly popped if it ever took itself too seriously. Um, and then as, as we talked about, the surprise that he gets this this cookie at the end of his life um, was not about, gee, everybody wants to be a movie star. No, it's about surprises in life. And, and uh, always keep your eyes open because you don't know what's coming, good or bad. The, the, the student side of it, there's the... Uh... I'm doing one of those things where I'm going to blank on every name I'm, I'm going to try to reference here, but there's the, there's the former SNL guy who's got the movie about the acting class or the, the show about the acting class. Yes. Uh, 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 Bill Hader. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Right. I, I feel right. like, you know, if, if you want that side, if you want further down the picture, he's doing a really good job of the student side of it as well. You yes. Know, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, what's going on there. Kind of doing that balance of the, of the, of the, uh, the acting and, and music world. Is there an alternate reality when you could have gone the other way? I mean, you you, you play piano and, and maybe other instruments. I don't know. Uh, famously, you co-wrote the Man About You theme song. You've um, 
done a little rapping with uh, Megan Thee Stallion lyrics, of course, in this latest uh, season, which yeah. I think everybody is kind of, is, is there another world where you could have done you know, music? Somebody asked me recently, you know, what, what would you, are there any secret projects and it's like, or anything you're itching to do? And I was a, you know, a composition and classical piano major in college. And I've always wanted to, and I always play, but it's always been for my own edification. I never intended to, I think when I was in college, I thought, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be, uh, but you know, life has a funny way of pushing you where, where you belong or where you, you know, it, it, you know, uh, <laughs> I, so I, I thought for a moment when I was 21, well, I'm going to, I knew I wasn't going to be a classical performer, piano, which is like, that's a whole other level. Like there's the NBA and then there's guys who can shoot the ball in the backyard. It's like, I'm in the backyard. Um, well, I can write, but like, well, what kind of life is that? And the reality was that performing and stand-up was calling to me, and I, I had to sort of clear the field and get to that. Like, oh, that's kind of seems crazy, but that's actually what I want to do, and I'll just keep music to myself. But it's always been my passion. And but it, now, you know, when I, you look at the clock, and I turned sixty-five this year, and you go, okay, I I think we can see where this is going. Eighty is closer than twenty by a long shot. And you go, well, so if there is something you want to do. This would be the time so you know I, so there's still composing and there's music that i would love to get out i just watched this uh document this frank zappa documentary you oh, right it? right right i haven't seen it yet but i know what you're it's, talking about it's, yep. it's brilliant and it's inspiring and just the, the how prolific he was and how determined he was and single-minded that even all his most famous stuff was in many ways just sort of feeding the beast that he wanted to feed which was his classical and his orchestral music and so that you can have a passion that is not necessarily your main avenue of revenue or uh, or notoriety but like this is what i want to do so um you know it's funny i did i, was, I guess it's 10 years already ago i did i did an album with a wonderful uh singer songwriter named julia fortin and uh, uh f-r-d-h-a-m look her up she, I was just a fan of hers, and we had a mutual friend, and, and one thing led to another, and I, I played a little thing, and she said it to music, and I go, well, that's a, I said, said words to it, and I went, well, that's a great song. Let's write another one, and before we know we had an album. And so we put out this album, and I wrote the music, she wrote the, we wrote music together, and she would write the words, and we said, well, let's, go out and play this to sort of publicize it. So we did, you know, a tour, and I think six shows we did. And it was such a novel experience for me to be on stage and not talk. I went, and like, you know, it was her show. I was like, we wrote it and it's us, and maybe that will bring some people to listen to it. The, actually, the album was called Unusual Suspects. Like, why would these two be together? There's no reason that TV Funny Boy and Brilliant Songstress are on the same album. Um, but for me, it was like, oh, I'm playing and I'm getting to watch her up close and I'm a fan, so this is fun. And I don't have to talk. And I was never, someone said, how did it feel? I went, never happier in my life. Just <laughs> <I was> playing. <laughs> and luckily the other band members were uh, stepping up to be more, because I am I, I don't have the organizational skills to, to lead. Like the same reason I couldn't, I, I never wanted to direct. I just want to be the guy who at best says, try this, but I don't want to be in charge. So I, I could I could never count off the band like one two I don't know you do it <laughs> I don't know how to do that leading part, but um, the playing and and being it was uh, 
and it wasn't like, oh, I want to give up acting and comedy and just be piano boy. But uh, it's something I still I still do want to uh, cross off some things and get them done. Interesting that uh, not wanting to be in control, uh, you did host the Grammys in '95, which seems like a a big control spot to be in. Uh. Yeah, those are, those are thankless jobs. Those are <laughs> thankless jobs. I've heard about that. Yeah, that what I did, yeah. I, I hosted in 95? Yeah, I believe it was 95, yeah. Right, yeah. right, right, the Grammys, right. I hosted the Emmys, I think, 96. Uh, you know, those are thankless jobs. They're really, you know, you read the paper the next day and you go, really, that's the thing you're going to single out when I tripped on the guy's name? But what about the other 40 minutes that I was working really hard? But yes, without, without, those were thrills just because you get to well you get to meet people and i remember meeting you know pop acts and singers but also like classical guys like oh i love this guy i never got to you know and that's part of the thrill the behind the scenes of show business that it's always a thrill to meet people that you have admired that's always fun when i the only thing i haven't mentioned this whole thing uh, time is stranger things of course you've been a part of that for the past couple seasons uh dr will owens um uh, is he going to be back to help Hawkins uh, face down Russia this time? Because he popped in at the end of season three. Well, in the season three, they flew me in. I had my silliest day of acting. I literally flew into Atlanta, walked from here to here, 15 feet, and I went, cut, we'll see you tomorrow. And then the next day, I went and did the other scene where I walked from C to D. And I went, all right, go home. I went, this is the dumbest job. Acting is the stupidest <laughs> thing. I said, like, literally a monkey would have done it better, by the way. So, uh, and I said, well, I assume they're going to bring me in because maybe I'll be in season four. And uh, we don't know exactly. So, I, you know, they don't talk. I'm not even allowed to say that I watched the show. That's how secretive. We'll both see if I'm in it or not. Who knows? It's been so much fun, you know, finding those little moments in shows like that, especially when, you you know, you popped up there. And, uh, and I'll say it again. Uh, I'm such a big fan of what you do uh, and all the stuff. Appreciate like I said, there's so many of those. Emmy nominated once again, outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series. We're all pulling for you, buddy. That would be a very nice thing. You, uh, vote vote uh, soon and vote often. That's what I say. <laughs> we can uh, do it. Hey, a pleasure. Thank you for all the kind words. And just, you had me at, I've seen There's Johnny. Just that uh, would have been enough. Everybody, go check it out. Go check it out. Go check it out. Thanks, Kyle. A big thanks to Paul Reiser. Again, the uh, Kaminsky method is outs, as is there's Johnny. And uh, as he says, we'll have to uh, hold our breath and, and see if he uh, pops up in Stranger Things again. Yet to be seen. Thanks to you for uh, hanging out, checking out this episode. Hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, uh, I put out new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or again, anywhere you get your podcasts from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. After that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. She just dropped me off at school and then drove away.
It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.